Hello, and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith, and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 75. Well, this week, my lovely guest is Annie Fox, and Annie Fox will be telling us all about her latest book and reading a short excerpt from it. So stick around for the interview section. And at my desk this week, well, at my desk this week, I have been very busy getting on with, finally, the edits for Midwich 2. So Midwich 2 is my second book in my Paranormal Women's Fiction um, trilogy. I think I think in trilogies now. And uh, I had the edits back before Christmas, um, long before Christmas, but I haven't really been able to get round to getting on with them. And I think this was um, for two things. I think Christmas very much got in, the, well, not got in the way, but I decided to get on with Christmas and just enjoy it and not give myself, beat myself up about. Originally, I had said that I would try and bring out Midwich to before Christmas. That was always my aim. But when it came right down to it, I thought I'm going to make such a messy job of this editing process and, you know, the whole right, you know, sorting it out, sorting out the edits. I thought I would really rather not rush it and just do it when I was in a better frame of mind rather than trying to kind of get the job done. The trouble with writing all the processes of writing, whatever it is you're doing, the actual writing or the editing thing, or in my case, doing the book covers and illustrations, if you kind of rush it, it kind of doesn't work. You don't get such a good job that you're trying to do. So I decided to put it all to one side and not worry about it and to come back to it in the new year. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, I was having a general talk about, you know, how I've had some major technical and big computer crash thing happen to me, which kind of put me back a bit. And I've had to kind of concentrate on the podcast because it all kind of got behind and I hadn't got any technical stuff to do the podcast on. So I have been concentrating on that. But having said that, this week I am now nice and peaceful. I'm kind of, you know, the podcast is up and running. My computer stuff has been sorted out for the time being, I hope, for a nice long time, I hope. It's going to, you know, run smoothly now. And um, I've made a few changes to how I do things in order to make it continue to run smoothly. And also, um, you know, and it's, this has given me, sorry, my stomach's rumbling, I beg your pardon. Um, and it's, this has given me the chance now that I'm in the very much the right frame of mind to sit down and get on with the edits for Midwitch too. And um, it's nice, it's nice to do it. And the other thing is, I find having had a bit of a gap of a couple of months before I've actually seen this document, it's, it's kind of, obviously it's not fresh because you've written it, so you do know it, but it, it's fresher than it would be. So you're kind of looking to, at it with a clear head and clear eyes. You're not so immersed in the creativity that you can put your, you know, you can you can put the creativity to aside somewhat and put your editing hat on, which is what you need, and you can get on with the um with the editing and not have to worry about anything else. You're just really looking about how those words sit on the page and whether they're correct or not, you know, and whether your storyline works and whether it's correct or not. And you, you can, you know, re really get on with that. And uh, and I'm quite enjoying it. Um, I find the editing process, I don't mind it. I don't mind getting on with it because it's kind of, you know, you know, you're getting to the point where you're actually going to publish your book soon. So that's quite exciting. And I've got everything else ready. My book cover's done. Uh, I've got all the little illustrations ready. I have, a, I have a date in my mind as to when it might come out, but I'm not ready to share that with you yet because I'd rather um, talk to my um, my reading 
my, my people that sign up for my email list, I'll be telling them some of those bits and pieces first. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's what I'm, I'm busy doing. So yeah, I'm getting on with the edits and so far they're going quite well. I find the best way is to work on it in short bursts. And I, I tend to kind of set my clock and kind of say, right, well, I'm going to, you know, try and do this for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that. And then I do that and then I get up and I go make a drink and go and do a few chores and then come back to it, you know, or go and do something completely different and then come back to it, you know, at a much later time. Because I find if I try and sit there all morning or something, it's almost like you're just not seeing it anymore and you're just clicking anything that the editor said. And I think you do have to consider what it is she's telling you and whether or not you agree. Now, I would say my lovely editor, um, who's called uh, Annie Anna Sharples is delightful and incredibly clever. I'm very happy to have her. Uh, and I would probably agree with 99.9% of everything that she says, all her suggestions, but there's just that one little bit that you think, no, actually, I think I'm going to say it this way. <laughs> and, uh, so, and that's the bit you've got to look out for. And also, Nobody's perfect. Sometimes Anna misses something. Not very often, I must admit, but very occasionally. I'm actually quite excited when I find something she's missed. I think, oh, look, there's a space missing there. She didn't see it, you know. <laughs> but uh, generally, she notices anything. She's got eagle eyes, that woman. Um, so it is, you know, it's all part of the process. So I'm getting on with that, and that's quite a nice thing. And then, obviously, I'll be getting on to the next round of edits after that and um, having another read-through. So there we are. Right. Okay. So that's it from me uh, for my at my desk point. Come and meet Annie Fox. I know you're going to love her. Really super woman. This week on the Words and Pictures podcast, I'm very excited to um, introduce Annie Fox. Now, Annie is a writer and a podcaster and an educator, and she's a big advert for children's well-being and has done loads of work to facilitate emotional independence and intelligence in children and young people and their teachers and carers. Now, her latest book looks absolutely great, and uh, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much, CJ. I am delighted to be here. It's, lo it's lovely to have you. So, so you've done loads of work for children and their emotional intelligence and all that kind of thing. It's so important. Now, I was also a teacher. Um, for many years. And I, I understand what it's like to have that um, that kind of need to help more than just teaching them how to read and write and all that kind of thing. Although I only taught early years children, very young children, um, primary school, I think you uh, we call it here in England. Um, I it, It's the emotional intelligence starts really young. And if you could begin to teach them all these things about friendship and caring for others and not bullying and all those sorts of things, it, it's, it makes a, it's an impact for their life, really, I believe. Yeah. I, so, I, so, I agree completely. And, you know, when kids get to be young adolescents, here we call it middle school, um, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, there are so many things that are changing in their peer relationships even when they look in the mirror sometimes they don't recognize themselves anymore not to um not to put too fine a point on it but they're very dissatisfied with the way they look and where they fit in the group and so i believe that starting younger and younger with uh, emotional yeah. intelligence skill building might just might be able to um avoid some of the pitfalls that we all get into yeah. when we're in because I think, I think a lot of things, a lot of being comfortable with yourself as an adult is liking yourself as an adult, liking being comfortable with how you look, 
and being comfortable with with what you are as a person and all those kinds of things. And I think if you can instill that in a child early on, I think I think that's such a, a marvelous and such incredible work that you do. Um, so tell us about your latest book, latest book, um, Annie. I want to I want to hear what what it is because I think well what it was. I looked on the website. And I kind of got the slight wrong end of the stick here. So what's your latest thing? Because you've done so much. I know. And most of the books that I've done are nonfiction books for middle grade and for teens. But I've taken all of the um, the knowledge that I have in my experience working with young people. And I now have a debut young adult novel. And that's what my latest book is. You probably haven't seen it on the website because it's not out yet. It will be out next month. Um, next February. month. Yes, Wait, and- what date is that? And I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, please. It's called, it's February 13th. Yep. And that is actually the day before Valentine's Day. And here in the US, we call that Galentine's Day. Oh. It is a day to celebrate female friendships. Ah, oh, that's that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, we, we we don't do that at all in England. So that's completely new to me. That well, whole I, may phrase. Send, I may send you a Galentine's Day greeting on February 13th. I'll be looking for it. I'll be looking for it. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a really nice thing because female friendships are well, all friendship is you know, very important. But but I think there's a there's a bond between women. And if you have a bond with other women, you know, even if they're not not your family, it can be a really powerful thing to help you through the difficult times that come along. Yeah. Okay. So so what's your book entitled? The book is called The Little Things That Kill. The and Little it, Things That Kill. Yeah. Yes. And the subtitle is A Teen Friendship Afterlife Apology Tour. <laughs> right. That sounds really cool. So tell tell us a little more about it. Because it's never too late to say you're sorry. And it's all about the choices you make in the moment. And sometimes not the big things, but the little things stab at you and, and take you down. And so this novel is about the journey of a girl who um she has passed on. Um, these little things and I'm not giving away too much because you find out on the first page that she's dead, but her story doesn't end there. And like I said, in my subtitle, it's never too late to say your story. And an afterlife apology tour is a really great opportunity to make good some of the things and some of the people that you wronged. And obviously we don't know what the afterlife is like, but I'm hoping that my young readers will um, think a bit more about the choices that they make in real life and online, the things they post, the things they say, um, because there are people on the receiving end of all of those comments, and you might be hurting someone unintentionally. Yeah. So so your book is very much set in the present day. So you've got all the, the online aggro that we're all dealing with every day. I, I was, I've had a funny email today that was some scam. You know, it's a daily thing that you get, but you also get some, you know, as an adult, we can brush it off. I certainly can. I've been around a long time. Um, but I think children get genuinely hurt by some of the horrible things that people say. Especially you know. if it's a friend or someone you yeah. thought was. Friend. So, um, if I may, I'd like to just read. Um, oh yes, do yeah. The book. Um, the book is is um, told by three first person teenage narrators, and Nicole is the dead girl. And as I said, her story's not over, and so she's very much the protagonist of this book. Chapter one: Nicole. A shrill buzzer splits my brain into. My hand searches for my phone, but it's nowhere. If I have to open my eyes to find my phone to stop the damn alarm, I'll never get back to sleep. I must have left it in the pocket of my jacket, which is 
somewhere. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Shut up, phone. Dad will hear and walk right in with his way too cheerful for this time of day. Rise and shine, curly girl routine. I am not ready to rise, and I sure don't feel like shining. I just want to sleep. Ah, thank God the buzzing stopped. I try to fall back to sleep, but a copper light seeps under my eyelids. What now? Did I forget to close the shades? I must have been out of it when I came in last night. Where was I? Can't remember. Just go to sleep. Yeah, right. Not with that light in my face. Geez, can't a girl go out and have fun without an insanely early wake-up call from Mr. Sunshine? All right, all right, you win. I'm up. A spotlight blinds me. I shield my eyes, but there's no escaping the brightness. A shadowy figure appears up ahead. Dad? The figure is there and gone before I can make out who it was. I blink hard, and the light splinters into a thousand tiny rainbows shooting in all directions. In... In the main, in the remaining soft light, a crowded room comes into focus, only it's not my room. I'm standing on a large round platform, rimmed by a sleek, transparent, shoulder-high barrier. I might have been here before, but I can't remember when. There have to be at least 20 kids standing around. Most look around 16 like me, but a few are super young. What is this place? It's not actually a place at all. There are no walls, no ceiling or sky, only this floating platform in the middle of nowhere. Why does it feel familiar? I don't know any of these people. I want to go home. I'm calling Dad to pick me up. Where is my phone? Brilliant. I love it. I love it. And and that's the thing, because that's what makes it feel so real, Annie, is because we're all attached to these phones, aren't we? We're completely attached to it. So I'm imagining the first thing she has to deal with as a dead girl is she hasn't got a phone anymore. So she's got to deal with things face on. Yeah. Interesting stuff, really good. I like it. I think it's very clever. And and how have you found the process as a writer of writing fiction as normally you're writing nonfiction? Has oh that been goodness. has it been fun or has it have you has it been a whole different discipline for you? It's a whole different thing and so much more challenging. I mean, with a nonfiction book, you get your table of contents, and as teachers, you and I know, whenever yeah. we come to a teaching situation. We have our educational objectives all plotted out. We yeah, know absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and so all the nonfiction books just easy. This, um, I it's kind of like you have a vision of a house, and you have no idea how to actually build a house. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot I of writers like that, but I yeah. don't know anything about the tools or the measurements or the angles of the windows. Are... And so I started this book um, in 2013. Do you know about NaNoWriMo? Yes, yes. I do. I've never done it. And I always seem to be in a different place when I've, you know, I'm not, I'm not on that, you know, I sort of plot out what I'm going to write that year. And every year it seems to be not the month for me because I'm drawing pictures because I, I do my, my I do my own illustrations. I also write fiction for children. So I'm either... You know, and this year I was doing something else. I thought I missed it again, but I, I need to sort of maybe think the beginning of this year now that perhaps I will have a bash at that because it looks like quite a good way of getting yourself really focused. And did you find it was a good help for you? I found it was um, really wonderful because you feel like you're writing with other people. They will give you the daily word count of people in your community or in your county. Um you're supposed to hit 50,000 words at the end of 30 days. 
Yeah. Which is only 1,700 words per day, which is not like crazy. Um, and so you get yourself to the keyboard and and you write. And there's something very gratifying about seeing the little graph. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, now I'm at 5,310 words. Wow. And um, yeah, so there's that community aspect of it. And just the discipline of sitting at the computer. And I feel that um, there's some truth in saying that if you sit yourself at the computer with your fingers on the keyboard, the story will tell you how it needs to be told. Yeah. Just show up. Show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's a very I mean it's like David Hockney said, um, if if the muse comes visiting, I want her to find me working. <laughs> and what? I think I think that's a that's a really true thing because I think well if it's if you're going to get inspiration you're much better to be here in front of the keyboard and uh, or with a pencil in your hand or something so that you can you can get on and get it down. The process yeah. was also um, a process of knowing my characters so well that I trusted them to mm-hmm. be able to let me know what happens next. Yeah, I just have to be in a receiving mode. And there's some fun in that because you sit down every day at the keyboard, you read what you had written just before, and then you're at this new place. And you let the, the character guide you around the next corner or that fork in the road, which way you're going to go. Um, what will happen? I mean, fiction is all speculative. The, the The writer's mind is like, I wonder what would happen if I put her in this situation. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the fun of it, isn't it? I think that's the fun. Of it. I've I've learned to trust the process more as I've kind of gone through my writing journey, and um, I I find that you know I used to worry that I didn't know what I was going to write when I finally got in here to to write when I was working. I don't work now. I just write, and um, yeah, writing is work. Writing is work, yeah, but but I don't teach anymore is what I mean. Um, but I used to think, oh, you know, what if I don't? But then I began to realise that. Actually, that didn't matter because my subconscious had worked out what it was that we were going to do, and and I just could sit here and and it would come. You know, sometimes it takes a minute. You know, sometimes it takes a bit of coffee or another coffee. You know, and I and I'm very easily distracted because that's how my my mind works. But on the whole, it's there, and it's once you begin to trust that that your mind is so creative it will just get on with the job that you put in front of it you you can kind of let that let that go so will there be more non-fiction books for you annie i'm really hooked on fiction now and yeah. i've written fiction for younger children picture books and yeah. I, I love the opportunity to be able to really dig deep and explore emotions and relationships yeah and also sometimes i think um sometimes it's easy to teach through the fiction sometimes i think it's it's sometimes children can or young people can think oh i don't want to have a be given a book about this is what you've got to know you know you need to learn about relationships or whatever it is but sometimes i think if you can teach it through uh so you can go around a side door and say you know this is a great story then they can learn something from it as as they go along and you know and a bit of enjoyment is always part of the teaching process i think yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and i think it's something so immersive about a fictional universe mm. and the identification with characters yeah you learn as the character is learning yeah um, even though you know they may be on a completely different journey if if the author has done a good job and they know their audience really well they know what 
the key issues are developmentally for that 15-year-old reader. Yeah. And so to imbue some of those into the character's journey, there will be that sense of identification. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. So did you find that you just suddenly had this idea for this fiction book? Did, 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 some, did the main character pop into your head? I find that I'm very character-driven. It's the character that comes first. And then I think, oh, you know, what's going to happen to you? And then when I begin to mull it over, then it comes. Did, did you find that or did you think of the no, story first? this is a really good story within the story because um, – a cousin of mine who lives on the East Coast sent me a New York Times article about a young girl who had committed suicide. And the after story that was being followed up, which, you know, tragic, absolutely. But um, there was a Facebook memorial page. And some of her so-called friends posted some really nasty stuff on the memorial page. Oh, how awful. I know. And I read that and my blood turned cold. And I said, what happened to these girls that made them so ruthless? Mm. So the dead girl, in she, for me, it was like, okay, well, there's the dead girl and her story. If you want to fantasize about what happens in the afterlife. My dad died when I was 15. So I've always been very fascinated by thereafter is there a thereafter and wouldn't it be cool if there was and we kept rolling along learning stuff so that we could make better choices the next time around mm. um that just maybe it was comforting to me as as a young person to think about that that the end is not really the end but in this particular story from the times article i was particularly fascinated about the mean girl behavior that i i saw um mm being reported. And because my background is in teaching young people about compassion and empathy and social emotional learning, I thought, there's a story there. Something is not being presented in its entirety here. Now, because I couldn't find out what the real story was, I had to invent my own story. And so my book is about these three girls, the mm. dead girl, um, the girl who was her former best friend, and the third girl who was really the, the um, romantic rival. And and so um, it started not with characters, but with this premise of what happens afterwards and what was going on with these other girls that they could be so heartless. Because often when you look into somebody's, if you scratch the surface as to why people are unkind or you know why people are, are aggressive or all those kinds of things, I've often found it... Um, that I found it very much in the classroom when I was a teacher that you learned what those children's backgrounds are. You could, you could understand why these children were reacting that way. And it's, it's usually got a backstory as to, Oh, it does. It, it's almost like they're, they're embodying their hurt in their actions. No. And that's, that's heartbreaking for yeah. me as a teacher, for, for me as a writer, I want because characters, I mean, it's easy to write the evil witch and it, she's, she's, you know, one dimensional. But to really look behind, be, below the surface, as you say, it's like, what's going on with this girl? What happened to you that made you this way? And they're usually, it's the, the aggression is usually a defense. Mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's a strategy for surviving in, in a home environment or there's something going on that gives, this person, a very tough 
and um, angry exterior, but underneath it's there's a lot of hurt. It's yeah, it's a, it's a sad old it's a sad old thing, and you see it you see it all the time, and you see it online all. Of course, you know back to the phones thing again. You see it online all the time. I mean, you know, I put stuff out with you know about my books and things, and uh, I would say daily there's some really nasty comment on there about something or other which is not which is which is neither here nor there to me and i mean i'm i'm old i give a monkey's but, 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 but what what motivates people and I, that's I, what i think i think I, I imagine that you're hurting more than me is what i always think as i block and delete and carry on with my day you know and and i think that's probably what it is it's just this this horrible hurt that's coming out where people are just need to just kick back all the time even to a complete stranger you know probably halfway across the world you know and it's, it's like, very it's sad like they're hurting so much mm-hmm. that in that instant when they post something really nasty at someone mm-hmm. they have no idea who it is, for no provocation at all, for an instant, maybe it makes them feel better. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but I don't think it does make you feel better. To, to, no. to be, uh, what I've learned is, is as I'm going to be 60 in another three weeks, uh, what, what I've learned is that actually being kind will make you feel better. And being horrible won't <laughs> on any level. It's you know, no, it's it's, it's, it's only the it, it's only the love that works. And isn't it yeah. interesting when you think about these kind of aggressive acts that what the, these people really want is they want to be embraced, they yeah. want to be accepted and cherished. But the thing that they're doing in their behavior is is causing the ex- absolute opposite of what they want from people. So yeah. they push everybody away with spears and angry words. And what they really want is for someone to say, come. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's that, nuts. Yeah. It, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, uh, I think yeah, it's, know, we've solved that one. We've solved that one. Uh, I think it it's, I think these things are worse now with the internet though. That's, that's the trouble because I think, Whereas before, you see, you and I are of an age and we grew up without all this. And I think if you were a bit unpleasant on some level in the playground or within your family, other adults or people, other children would say to you, da, 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 and that would be it. And I think it's this anonymous ability that makes it worse. People get used to being unkind without any, um, and I, I use the word retribution, but I can't. I, I don't mean retribution. I mean comeback. There's no comeback to it. Nobody's saying, don't be like that. No, it's normalized. It's normalized, yes. Exactly. Yeah, I, I coined a term called empathy deficit disorder. I yeah. think the world is suffering yeah. from yeah. empathy deficit disorder. And as a result, this kind of behavior is normalized. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, a year or two ago, I was walking in San Francisco and I saw some words painted on a sidewalk. This is not going where you think it's going. <laughs> What the painted words on the sidewalk said was, um, it's not lame to be kind. Nice. It's not lame to be kind. And so this normalization of aggression and how snarky can you be? Do you have that word in in Snarky. Not, it's, it's not a common word, but I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Just like being nasty, being rude. It, it's as if the peer group is giving you points for how nasty you can be rather than giving you support for being kind. Kind is not lame. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that's, that's a really good thing. I think it should be written on every sidewalk. You know, you you look at these young people and um, you wonder what what how their adult life is going to pan out. 
really yes, with, it, with I want, it all. I wonder that a lot. I, yeah. I wonder how they can um, maintain healthy relationships mm-hmm. with, their, with their peers or into the romantic zone as they get older because they don't have the basic tools of social um, consciousness of, of the idea that my choices matter and that they impact other people. And while my emotions may not be readily controllable, my mouth is. Yeah. So, you know, um, my thoughts and my emotions may not be, but my behavior, my behavior is definitely uncontrollable. And so what these kids need, and this is when I talk to school groups, I, I don't teach in classrooms, but I, I do um, get invited to schools and do the student assembly things. The idea that you can know inside yourself when you're feeling a little bit off balance, somebody in, you know, in front of you gives you kind of a weird look or you feel like you're being ignored or whatever it is, that little moment of, uh-oh, you know, my, my social status may be in danger here. That little moment where you feel threatened and vulnerable, stop, take a breath and think, okay, I'm feeling this. What do I want to do about it? What would be the next best move? What would be helpful? What would make me feel proud of myself when I look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I did okay today? Yeah. And yeah. no regrets. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I think I think there's not enough um self-monitoring. I think people don't ask themselves that exactly that, you know, how how do I feel? And I think they get used to feeling rubbish or feeling crap about themselves and they think that's a normal way to feel instead of feeling happy and content yeah we don't know yeah. what that feels like that that also these devices that we're talking about demand instant response mm. and you can't be your best self when you respond instantly not all the time maybe in an emergency if there's a building on fire and you grab a kid and you get out the door safely but in most social situations thoughtfulness is going to lead you in a better direction than an instant nasty response that you can text back in less than two seconds yeah yeah absolutely and also i think that the 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 nastiness that's around i think it has an impact for for long-term relationships i think um long-term friendships you know as well as you know marriage of of any kind where where people don't know how to um i don't know there's days when you're not feeling very chirpy or days when you don't feel well you know or days when things aren't going so great like this computer breakdown that i was telling you about right. that's happened to me over the last two weeks um but it's it's in those times where you feel that that you can um get back to uh, who you really are, and to understand that, I have to say that kindness is always the answer. If you can just think, what would be the kind thing to do? You can generally come out of it and and get there in the end. You know, I, th- I think that's definitely it's it. Inter- it's interesting what you say. Often we think of kindness as an act towards other people, and it's absolutely true. But the kindness to yourself, mm. you know, I tell kids you need to be your own best friend first. Mm. You know that you're feeling uncomfortable because of what's going on around you, that the choice is often could be that you may not have thought instead of grinning and pretending that things are okay when they're not, give yourself a break. Like, you know, that idea of I need a minute. I mean, 
Walk away if you're not feeling like you're being treated with respect. This idea of self-love is so important because if you're not thinking about how to make yourself feel better in those moments, then you're sure as hell not going to be thinking about other people. Hmm. Just going to be reacting. You're not going to be reflecting on what is the next best move. Hmm. And so we live in a society that demands instant reactions. Hmm. And like I said, nobody's their best self in an instant. There, you know, we have to think. This is why we have a very large neocortex. It's our problem-solving <laughs> brain, yeah. and we need to use it more instead of being in the center of that big brain, which is. I call it stress central. It's your reptilian brain. It's all about fight or flight. Mm. You don't make your best decisions in fight or flight unless there's really an emergency. And as I tell the kids that I talk to all the time, I said, thank goodness, 99.99999% of the time, there is no shark snapping at you. Yeah. There is no shark. And if you misidentify somebody going, no, you can't sit here as a shark that you're surviving, then you're going down the wrong path. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, you've got, obviously got loads and loads of wisdom, and, and uh, I think I'm it's great. Old and wise. I'm very old and wise. We're all old and wise, yes, exactly. But but it's true to, to take the time and just to bring these books out because, uh, you know, they make a difference to people's lives. You know, these this I feel this story is, you know, a really good, clever premise that people are going you know, young people are going to engage with and want to read. And along the way, they're going to they're going to have something more than just having a good storytelling told to them. It's yeah. Yeah, lead to some inner thoughts and um, some conversations between friends. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I think oh, it's that's yeah. why I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's great fun to uh, you know see that that coming out. So, what do you think is um, the the most uh, the most fun part of the writing process for you is it is it the first draft is it when you're oh no first all together chapter. is it when you're when you're you know commissioning your book design you know stuff like that mm. what, what, what's what's the what's the fun bit or even the worst bit what a lovely question first of all you're my first interview about about this novel um and usually i talk about computer game design for kids or social emotional learning so to talk about writing is a real gift so thank you very much <laughs> Um, uh, for me, I love writing dialogue. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's like composing music. Um, I've also done some amateur acting. And so the idea of being able to embody a character and play a scene out with multiple characters, it's a little schizophrenic, but <laughs> the idea of taking this part and, you know, what what would what is the most Nicole way that this character could respond? Yeah, at this yeah. moment, and just you know, play it back and forth. Oh yeah, no, I think that's good. I I walk up and down, um, especially if I've got a day writing and I'm here on my own, which is mm-hmm. which is quite nice. Or my husband's off busy in his own workshop doing whatever he's doing. I I do pace up and down from my office right the way round into the kitchen, which is huge, and back again. And I speak the dialogue out between the characters, you know, using voices and all that nonsense. Um, yes. because because I have to feel how they how it feels somehow or the rhythm of it somehow if it doesn't the rhythm of it needs to feel true that's absolutely the word. true yeah. it's, it's it is like composing music and if there's a word that's wrong it's like a wrong note 
Yes. Yeah. That is for me too. So that yeah, that is yeah. most fun for me. But I have to say, um, the co- our cover design is complete now. Yeah. And nice. it's just like, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, but also um the process of there's something there 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 is this this place. It's called Substation 15, which is where these um dead ch- kids are and it's it's a, um, a major setting for the story and um i commissioned two artists to visualize it and draw a map of this afterlife brilliant and and they just completed it two days ago and i've seen drafts of it along the way and just kind of the idea of art directing a little bit it's like, well i didn't really picture it this way um but then they got it and it started all coming together and it brought tears to my eyes. It's like, this is like a real place. So DJ, the idea of something that came totally out of my head, there it is, a literal map of yeah. it. Um, the idea of bringing I, of a concept, a fictional universe into as much reality as you know a map could make it. It was quite gratifying. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, and it, and it's nice in a minute. Where obviously you, you know, when you get that book in your hand, you know, you get that first box of books, and you sort of see that. That's that's you think, oh God, I I did this, I made this. This is out of my head, and here it is, a tangible thing. And I think that's uh, you know, brilliant. Anyway, we're nearly out of time, Annie Fox. So where can people find you and your new book online? Well, um, my website is un- is under construction. It's anniefox.com, and it you know, it'll, it's there. And that's a lot of what I do, but I'd really like to direct people to the book and, um, easily you can go to the little things that kill.com. Brilliant. The little things that kill.com and it's out on February the 13th. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining me on the words and pictures podcast, honey. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. I feel like I met a new friend and a fellow writer. So I wish you good luck on your writing. Well, that for me was a very interesting interview and lovely to talk to Annie Fox about her writing life and her latest book. And uh, interesting how, you know, so much can be taught through fiction. You know, I've often said, you know, there's many a many a true word spoken in fiction, you know, as well as in humour. So that's great to have a have a chat with her. And I wish her all the best with that new book, which is out on the 13th of February. As usual, you can find uh, links in the show notes. You can find show notes at my website at www.djbowmansmith.com. And uh, you can find um, links also on the on the Words and Pictures podcast page on the Podbean app and all those kinds of things you can find also on any if you go on any social media with me you will see there's a there's a link tree or a link page there for the podcast if you want to find it there and pick up those show notes if there's anything that you wanted to get hold of and uh, that's it until next time then my next guest next week is the very lovely hallie hallie christensen and she writes for children and she's got two books out and she'll be telling us about her latest book her works of progress and um, all that kind of thing we'll be talking a little bit about book covers as well and getting her illustrations done for her children's work uh, all fascinating stuff okay that's it from me have a great week i'll see you next monday until next time this has been the words and pictures podcast and i'm dj bowman smith bye-bye <music>